0: Well, hey guys, good morning. Welcome to Grace Church. Good to have you guys here this morning. Thanks for joining us on a wet, soggy Sunday morning. But at least it's not snow, right? (laughs) Until tomorrow when it's snow. But at least today it's not snow. Thanks for joining us. Um, Hey, I wanted to, before I forget, I wanted to say... um, something else about the bike event that um, Josiah was talking about in the announcements. So that's coming up on May 5th. That's a Saturday. We're going to do it between 3 and 6. So what that means is our Saturday evening service that weekend we're going to cancel. So there's no Saturday evening service on May 5th. We're going to do both of our Sunday morning service. So we'll kind of try to pack everybody in on Sunday morning um, on the 6th that weekend. But would really encourage you guys Even if, if so many of you are serving if you're not serving that's okay. We would still love for you to come and be a part of the event Um, it will be a very family friendly thing and um, I think it'll be I would love to see a great showing of people from our campus to just love and get to know and serve the folks that are coming in the community so we're going to send stuff home with the kids at both of the elementary schools and the middle school and everything and so hopefully it'll be a great turnout here Um, never done it before but very excited to see what the Lord's going to do through it so um, but I wanted to make you aware that that weekend just Saturday night we're going to cancel that Saturday evening service Cool? So last weekend we started a new series that we're calling More and More. And it all, I shared a little bit with you of kind of how this um, began about a year ago, a little over a year ago, um, a bunch of the campus pastors and some of the other key leaders from the church, we got together and we were just talking about like what it looks like to be a disciple and specifically what it looks like for us to grow as disciples. And how do I know? Sometimes it can be hard to kind of, um, I don't know, ascertain, understand if we're growing or not in our faith. And so we're having this discussion and saying, how can we help Um, Our people um, gauge, measure, I don't know, our growth as disciples of Jesus, as followers of Jesus. And so we just started opening the Bible and pretty quickly we landed on this first verse here in Philippians chapter one. So you saw this in a little bumper video too. Um, But this verse kind of set the stage for the rest of our discussion. This is it. It says, this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more, more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. And so we we read that verse and this idea of growth more and more. We started digging into other verses in the Bible that talk about, they use that same sort of terminology of more and more. And so they talk about what it means to grow as disciples. And so we ended that, we kind of worked through all that and we ended the time with um, some questions, some, some key questions that we think are really important and good questions when we're thinking through, are we growing as disciples, right? And so a lot of times when we Think, am I growing? Maybe some questions that we would ask ourselves are about doing things. You know, am I praying? Am I spending time in the Word? Am I serving? Am I, you know, sharing my life with other people? And those are good questions. Those are important questions. But if those are our only questions, the doing questions, then we're missing it. We're missing it. So in this series, um, we've put together um, uh, some questions that I think are really good questions for us and kind of understanding if we're growing as disciples of Jesus. And so last week, we kind of just set the stage, and I wanted to get us all on the same page and and really lay the foundation of what a disciple is. When we talk talk about discipleship in the church, um, what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? And so we kind of dug into that last week, and the way that we did it primarily is we looked at this rabbi-disciple relationship in the Bible. And so we talked about a rabbi. We said a rabbi is kind of, to put it in our context, it was like a teacher. A rabbi was a teacher, but kind of like a super teacher. It was a teacher on steroids, you know, more than what we might think of a teacher. So rabbi literally means my master. That's what the word means. And so back in that culture, in Jesus's day, the rabbis were very well respected. They were revered. They were exalted by the people because of their understanding and their interpretation of the law, of, of the law of Moses, okay? And so they were some of the significant leaders in the community and what rabbis did was they took on disciples. They called disciples to come follow them and so we t- looked at what a disciple was back then and so a disciple was essentially a student. So if a rabbi was a teacher, a super teacher, a teacher on steroids, we said a disciple is like a super student or a, or a student on steroids and so we said a rabbi when they took on disciples, when they called disciples, they didn't just take anybody, but they only took like the best of the best and so we looked at this quote, we said they only took on people who had metal, intelligence commitment and persistence to become an interpreter of the word, of God's word just like them, so a rabbi only took on disciples that they felt like had the potential to be just like that rabbi one day And we said, when a disciple chose, when they were called by the rabbi and they chose to accept that call, they chose to follow them, it was a significant commitment. It was a commitment where they left most everything in their life to go spend time with and learn from, sit under the teaching of their rabbi. And we said, when they chose to do that, when they said yes to the rabbi's call, they chose to submit to the rabbi's authority and teaching in their life. So I choose, if, you're, if I become your uh, disciple and you're my rabbi, I submit to you. And we said, and it's a lifelong commitment. Right? So significant commitment. And so last week we said, you know what? When you read the New Testament, you see Jesus called rabbi numerous times. Jesus was a rabbi. And so Jesus, just like Jesus called his early disciples to follow him, that's what we looked at in Matthew chapter four last week, he also calls us to follow him. Right? And when he calls us, we have to choose. How are we gonna respond to his call? Well, we leave Everything may be an exaggeration, but do we, do we say, I'm turning from whatever it is that I was following and I'm choosing to follow you. I'm leaving this old life behind. That was, that was, that was where I was going full bore in. And I'm saying, no, nope, that's not it. I'm turning from that and instead I'm leaving that and I'm choosing to follow you. And I choose to submit to your authority in my life. And I do it as a lifelong commitment. To you, Jesus, as my rabbi, as my master. And so we looked at that last week and we said, that's different than what maybe we think of when we think of following today. You know? It's very different than following people on social media, right? Following Selena Gomez on Instagram. This is a whole new depth of following. It involves this, the Bible uses the word repentance, right? It involves this turning away from what I was choosing to follow before. And instead, I'm saying, I am all in with Jesus. He's my rabbi. He's my master. And last week, I tried to be absolutely clear that, um, I'll say it again, being a Christian or being a disciple is fundamentally about a relationship with Jesus. It's fundamentally about a relationship with Jesus. And so it's not fundamentally about doing things. It's not fundamentally about feelings. It's not fundamentally about holiness in our lives and living perfectly. It's not even fundamentally about loving other people. Those are all important things, but those are not fundamentally what Christianity is. Those are the byproducts. Those are the results. Those are the products of Christianity. Fundamentally, Christianity is having a relationship with the living God, right? I choose to make Jesus my master and I'm his disciple. And so I'm choosing to spend time with him. I'm choosing to learn from him. I'm choosing to talk to him, to listen to him right? That fundamentally is what being a Christian, being a disciple is all about. So we, we dug into that last week. And as I was um, introducing the series, I said, listen, I would love for you, and I want to say this again, I would love for you to look at this series in kind of a twofold way. So one, for you and for me, right? Like as we talk about growing in our relationship with Jesus, growing more and more as disciples of Jesus, how do I do that in my life? How can I grow more and more? So hopefully as we dig into this throughout this series, um, there will be ways that you are challenged to grow. Hopefully that will be the result of today, but challenged to grow in your relationship with Jesus, right? Challenged to to grow as a disciple of his, But, but also, so for ourselves, but secondarily also for other People, because part of being a Christian, part of being a disciple, is I'm not just focused on me, right? But I want to help other people grow more and more as followers of Jesus as well. So I challenge you as we dig into this this morning. Think about yourself. That's that comes naturally to us, right? Think about yourself and your own growth, but also think who is somebody that maybe the Lord has put in your life that you that maybe He desires you to walk with and help them grow more and more as disciples of Jesus as well. Does that make sense? So think about ourselves, but then also think about other people as well. So all that was last week. This week, um, here's what I want to dig into here this morning. Is your understanding of God's love for you growing more and more? Is your understanding of God's love for you growing more and more? So I've shared a few times up here that growing up, like I got in trouble, I don't know, it, it is a slight exaggeration to say every day, but it's not much of an exaggeration. Like most every day I got in trouble and I don't think I was a bad kid, but I was just a really annoying kid, you know? So like I was always running around and jumping and, and yelling and bouncing a ball and like that's, that's who I was. And so um, my parents, I have great parents. I love my parents, I have great parents, but my parents were um, believers of, in corporal punishment, right? And so physical punishment. And so I got spanked l- multiple times every week five to seven times a week, I I think is legit, And and it was a variety of methods, you know, sometimes it was the hand to the butt, sometimes um, it was a wooden spoon to the hand, sometimes it was a belt, those were really tough ones. And so anyway, um, so I actually preferred it that way, I preferred to get punished that way, um, because it was quick, It, it hurt, but it was quick and it was over, it was much worse for me to be sent to my room and like, go sit on your bed for a half hour and do nothing that is like torture for me. So I actually prefer getting spanked. But anyway, so I would get in trouble um, very regularly growing up. And um, I remember one time, I don't remember what I did, but it must have been pretty bad. And so I got, um, not only did I get spanked, but I also got yelled at and sent up to my room. So it was like the trifecta of punishments, right? So it was something really good that I did. And, um, and I did it. I know I did it. And so I was, you know, all of those things, I was set up to my room and um, when I, you know, as I'm going, like this, this is the kind of kid I was, I would like mutter, you know? So my parents would punish me or spank me or whatever. You know, be like, oh, you're so mean. I just like say all these things under my breath and I go up there, it's so funny. Um, Friday, I think it was Friday morning, my daughter did something and we had to punish her in the morning. And literally, she was walking upstairs going, I don't, you're so mean. And I, I turned to Marcia, I'm like, that is exactly what I was like growing up. I was exactly the So, anyways, I don't remember what I did, but I, it was bad and I got in trouble. And I was upstairs and I was just like, Thinking about how bad my parents are and how mean they are, and they don't love me, and all of this stuff is like going through my mind. And I decided that I was going to run away. You know, like I, I can't, I don't even want to be around them anymore. So I'm up there just stewing on all of this stuff, right? And so eventually, I don't know, a half hour later, my dad comes up, and you know, he walks in the room, and I'm like, you know, turn away from him, and I'm angry at him, and all I want to do is be away from them. All I want to do is be separate, run away from my parents. And I tried to do that a couple of times. It was never very successful. But um, this particular time, he came in and um, he just sat down and he said, my dad would do this regularly. It's funny how interesting I, or how often I um, for, forgot growing up, you know. Um, but he would come in and he said, you know, I love you. You know, your mom and I love you. And uh, we're not punishing you because we don't love you. We're punishing you because we do love you, and we want you to learn from your mistakes, and we want you to grow to be the man that you know is a good man and does the right things. And so he's telling me this, and um, and he's expressing, he's showing love to me, and he's helping me understand that um, you know they're not mean, terrible parents, but they're actually disciplining me because they love me. And you know what happened? I got it. <laughs> You know, like in my little eight-year-old-ish mind, I, I got it. It made sense to me. And there was this big change. And so right before he came upstairs or right as he walked into my room, I was like, I don't, I'm running away. I don't want to have anything to do with my parents. They are mean, terrible people who certainly don't love me. right? But then he comes in and he expresses to me that he actually does love me. They actually do love me. And why? And it changed my perspective. And by the time he left, I'm like, I love my parents and I know that they love me. And so I think about that and I think, don't we do that with the Lord too in our lives? Like 're we're, we're at times I think we're unaware of his love or like we're ignorant of it we're ignorant of the extent of his love or we misunderstand it or we misinterpret it and we get confused and we make assumptions about his love for us or, or maybe his the lack thereof his love for us and then it affects us it affects us You know, how we live, it affects how we see him. And maybe it makes us not really want to spend time with him. Or it makes us want to run away from him. Or it makes us, you know, get frustrated with him and think that he's mean. Or think that maybe he just doesn't really care about us. And what happens is, like when that's our perspective, when we don't understand the complexity of his love for us, how his love is expressed to us, what happens is our faith stalls out. And as disciples, we, we kind of as we're we to say, but we kind of become deformed disciples, and our relationship with God suffers. And so I think of it this way: misunderstanding or ignorance of God's love leads to stalled or deformed disciples. Misunderstanding, or, or like ignorance of God's love leads to stalled discipleship. So we're, so in a series, we're talking about growing more and more, right? When I don't get, when I don't understand the complexity of God's love, or I don't give it the attention or thought that I should, I become like a deformed disciple. And so my discipleship, you know, a disciple is spending time, significant time with their rabbi. That's like the definition of what a disciple does. But when I don't understand how much my rabbi, my master loves me, it messes with my discipleship. It makes me not a very good disciple. And so this weekend, and and then vice versa, when I do understand it, it makes me grow as a disciple. When I do understand how much my master loves me, it makes me want to spend more time with him and learn from him, right? Talk to him, listen to him. So the the converse is true as well. So this weekend, here's what I want to do. This is a little bit different maybe than a typical message all I want to do this weekend, all I want to accomplish is take 20-ish minutes of the time that we have left and focus us on trying to understand the complexity of God's love. That's all I want to do. And so I, this week, I spent some time just like going through a lot of kind of doing an overview, a survey of the Bible and pulling out all these different times that the Bible talks about God's love for us. How is his love expressed? What is the nuance of God's love for us? And I just compiled a bunch of things. And so all I wanna do during this time is I wanna talk about the ways in which he loves us, how his love is expressed to us. And b- but before I do it, I need to say this. Actually, put that, put that next slide up there. Some of the complexity of God's love for us can only be realized when we do what we talked about last week choose to follow him. So like, we're gonna dig into all of these ways that God loves us, but some of the complexities, some of the ways that God's love is extended to us can only be realized, can only be experienced and received when you and I choose to follow him, when we respond to his call, when we say yes to Jesus, when we choose to make him our master. There's some parts, there's some of these things that we're gonna talk about here that extend to everybody, whether or not you choose to follow Jesus or not. But there's many more of these things that we're gonna talk about that really only apply when you and I say, yes, I wanna be his disciple. I wanna make him my master. So it's very important for us to understand. So here's, here's what I wanna do with this. Um, in your program, you, got a little, you should have a little sheet like this. Could you pull this out for me? Oh, yeah, you're gonna make me do something this morning. It's rainy. I'm tired. I know. Pull, pull this out. Last night, I didn't give him one of these. So you actually have less work than the service last night. But I'd love for you to pull this out. And in the chair in front of you, there's a, there should be a little pocket. And there's a bunch of pens in there. I think we, we made sure that every pocket had a pen in it. And I'd love for you to grab that pen, too. And here's what I want to do. I want to... Um, just walk us through a bunch of these expressions of God's love and I would love it if you would take this that what what is on there is what I'm going to show you is what we're going to walk through and what I, what I want to talk about and I would love it if you would take that and anything maybe any word that I say or any word that maybe the Lord brings to your heart as we dig into this you would just take that pen and you'd make a little note maybe it's writing one word like you know delight or something like that or circle something on there but i would love because i have an exercise that i'm going to challenge you with at the end of our time not like push-ups or burpees or pull-ups or anything not that kind of exercise Uh, not a physical exercise but like a spiritual exercise that i want to challenge you with so i'd love it if you would have that in your hand and as something as god maybe sparks something inside of you this morning you just jot that down okay will you do that Thank you. Okay, so here we go. So I I got a bunch of these. There's like 15 of these, um, 14, I think, on the paper. So some of these I got to go through quickly. But I I, I just want you this morning, we all walk in here with like crazy stuff. Maybe, um, you know, it was a stressful morning or whatever. I'd love for you to just try to quiet your heart and take these next 20 minutes and just focus. This is like, this is such a cool time to think about the ways in which God loves you. So no matter what you've got going on in your life right now, I hope that we walk out of here and we're like, God loves me. And he expresses it in a huge amount of ways. So I'd love for this time to be special, special time for us. Okay. So I'm just going to kind of talk us through some of this. Some of it I got to go through kind of quickly. Here's the first one. So he has this enduring love for us. He has this forever love for us. There's that passage in 1 Chronicles. that says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good His love endures forever, forever. Psalm 89, I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you established your faithfulness in heaven itself. Listen, God's love isn't temporary. It's not momentary. It's not fleeting. It's not fading. It's enduring. It stands firm. It's established. It's forever, forever. It's consistent through the highs and lows of life. It's persistent through the ups and downs. It's lasting through the heartache and the joy, the victories and the defeats. God's love is absolutely enduring. It lasts forever. That's the first thing. Just allow your mind to think, to try to process that. How about this? Closely related to it, God's love for us is expansive. This is Psalm 36. It says, Your love of Lord reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice is like the great deep. God's love for us reaches to the heavens. It's expansive. It's broad. It's from the east to the west. It's sprawling. His love covers everything. Every part of me and every part outside of me. All of creation expresses his love, is covered in his love and expresses his love. His love for us is absolutely vast. Think about that. It it is pervasive, right? Even against, even with, for those that rebel against him, which is the next one. He has a love for sinners. Like allow allow your mind to process that. This is Romans 5.8. God demonstrated, he demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. How does God show us his love? When we're rebelling against him, God died for us. Christ died for us. Do you think about that very often? Like when people sin against me or when people hurt me, the first response that I, like my knee-jerk reaction is generally not to love them, Right? Like, it may be to get frustrated with them. It may be to hurt them back, right? But generally, my first my gut response is not to love them. It doesn't immediately move me to sacrifice for them. But Jesus did. You know, he hates sin. But listen, he is committed to loving and adoring those who commit the sin. He hates the sin. But man, he loves the sinner, Right? And so maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you sit here and you're like, listen, I got, there is no way that God can love me. I've spoken to some people that um, they are like, listen, if I come into the church, like the walls are going to collapse. You don't understand how rotten I've been. You don't understand how bad I've been in my life. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. God loves you. Even as we sin, God loves us. We talked about this on Good Friday and Easter a lot. Jesus died for the very people that crucified him and each of us that contributed with our own sinful hearts. As we hurt him, he loved us. uh, Allow your mind to try to grasp that and how different it is than maybe our default. And that, of course, leads to sacrificial love. This is John 15, 13. Greater love is no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Ephesians 5. Live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. His love for you caused him to sacrifice for you in the most extreme way possible, right? Giving his life. He he gave himself, he offered himself in exchange for our peace, for our freedom, for our salvation. Think about that. Think about how precious you are to him. Whether or not you and I say yes to Jesus, even if we don't say yes to Jesus, he sacrificed himself for you and for me, for my sins and for your sins. Whether that sacrifice is applied to our sins depends on if we say yes to him, if we accept it. But regardless, he died for you. Sacrificial love. How about this? I love this one. Inseparable love. This is in Romans 8. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. So Paul's writing to Christians here. He says, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death or life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, our Lord. His love for you is inseparable from you. Like it's permanently attached. When I was, uh, I don't know, 20 years old, somewhere around in there, I was moving down to Florida and I had a Jeep at the time and I was going to tow a U-Haul down there and I needed to get um, a hitch put on my Jeep And so I went to this place, and and to put a hitch on, they couldn't just put the ball on. They had to, like, build out a thing and put it on. It had some bolts and stuff. And so he was putting this hitch on, and the guy was using a pneumatic wrench to tighten the bolts, which which are really strong, right? And so he puts this wrench on there, and he tightens it, and he snapped the head off the bolt. And the the rest of the bolt was, like, stuck in there. And I was supposed to leave for Florida, like, the next day or the next two days or something, and I'm like, (gasps) oh! You broke it. Like, what am I going to do? Like, I have to use this in the next day. You know, I'm going to telling this thing down there. And the guy's like, relax. It's fine. I'm like, what do you mean it's fine? He's like, I'll weld it for you. And I'm like, I don't know anything about welding at that time. I'm like, well, is, is the weld going to be as strong as the bolt that you broke off that was in there? And he's like, listen, there is nothing that you could pull with this Jeep that would separate this weld that I'm about to put on you. The weld is real; it's like inseparable, right? And I think, listen, in Christ, in Christ, his love for us is like welded to us. It's like inseparable. Did you, did you see that passage? There's n- nothing in all of creation could even come close to breaking that weld to separating God's love from us. It's, it's, it's absolutely fundamentally connected to us. There's nothing that you could do to separate yourself from his love. Isn't that reassuring? You know, like th- you think about your life, you think about the things that you've done. I think about things I've done. There's nothing I could do to separate myself from his love. Like he loves me that much, welded to me, he's connected to me. How about this one? His compassionate, gracious, slow to anger love. This is Psalm 86 also. It says, but you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Think about this. His love is expressed to us in compassion, in graciousness, in being slow to anger. Who doesn't want to be on the receiving end of compassion like, we all want to receive that, right? Who, who doesn't want to be treated with graciousness? Who doesn't want to have a relationship with a God that is slow to anger, right? That's how he looks at you. He's compassionate with you. Man, I need that in my life. He's gracious to you. Man, I need that in my life. He's slow to anger. He doesn't fly off at the slightest little wrong thing that I do, His love extends to me that way. Like a father. (laughs) Look at the next one. In lots of places, in uh, the Old and New Testament, it talks about God as our father. This is in 1 John 3. It says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And And I've talked numerous times about this fatherly love that God has for us. This is, like, when I think about the love of God, this is probably um, the, the, I don't know, metaphor, illustration, the expression of God's love that, that speaks most clearly to me. And so I've talked about it a lot. I think because I have a dad and a mom who are very loving to me, who love me. And then as a daddy now with kids of my own, I'm like, I get it. I love them, right? This is how God, now I know that not everybody experiences that. For some, this, this, um, image of God loving us as a father is not helpful. It's like a stumbling block because maybe the dad that you had in your life was not a very good dad to you. And so to think of God as your father, you're like, I don't know, that's not helpful. But maybe if we could step back and we could think of the greatest father we, that we've ever seen, you know? Maybe it was a friend of ours. Maybe it was an uncle or something like that. Like the greatest dad, or maybe it's somebody that we saw on TV. We think of the greatest father that we've ever seen and multiply it by a thousand then we start to get an idea of the fatherly love that our Heavenly Father extends to us. What do fathers do? They protect, right? What do fathers do? They provide, they encourage, they teach, they build into their children. And then they also discipline, right? That's the next one. Proverbs 3, 11 and the beginning of 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. So this is kind of like what I talked about with my parents. They disciplined me. They punished me because they love me. In fact, it's actually a very important expression of their love for me because they did it because they wanted me to learn. They wanted me to grow. They wanted me to become the man that they believed that I could become. And God is the same way. Sometimes we look at the discipline of the Lord. Many times we get disciplined by the Lord because of our poor choices, right? Because we do the wrong thing. We make bad decisions. And we can look at the discipline of the Lord like he's angry at us. He's vindictive. He's spiteful with us. And we twist it around in our head instead of seeing it as an expression of the ways in which he loves us. He loves us enough to discipline us. And here's the cool thing. He can work some amazing things, some really good and wonderful things in our lives through some of the most painful discipline in our lives. Right? Right? Some of us have had personal experiences with that, which leads to this redeeming love. I I use the terminology redeeming love of God. This is also in Romans 8. Look at the next one. He says, And we know that in all things... In all things, you should underline that, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. So this is also about our love for him, right? God works for the good of those who love him. We're going to talk about growing more and more in our love for him next week. But think about this. God works in all things in our life, bringing good to us because we love him and because he loves us. It's easy to think about him bringing good things in our lives bringing good in our lives through good things that happen, right? Like that makes sense. That's easy for me to think about. But man, God takes rotten things in our life, pain, things that are painful to us, that cause sorrow in us, and he actually brings about, and if we look for it, we see it. If we're not looking for it, many times we miss it. But if we look for it, we see He brings about good even through the bad, even through the pain. I'll give you an example in my life. It's an embarrassing example. Um, this is probably, I don't know, eight, eight ten years ago, something like that. Uh, we, we lived in a different place, and one of my neighbors, uh, we, we were out talking. He's a great guy, not a Christian, not, not a, a church person, not a follower of Jesus. And so we were out talking, and um, he asked me a question. It doesn't matter what we were talking about, but he asked me a question that I wasn't prepared for. And, um, and I, as, I, as he asked it to me, I responded, and I lied to him in my response to him. And like, as these words are coming out of my mouth, I'm thinking, this is not true. Why am I saying this? Like my mouth is talking and my mind's going, what are you doing? Like, why are you saying these things? And it was like stupid. It was not an important thing at all, right? And so I, I lied to him. And, you know, and so we, we finished up the conversation. And, like, if you know me, my kids would tell you this. Like, lie, I hate lying. You know, having integrity that way and being honest and owning up to stuff. I would tell them all the time, don't lie to me. It's going to be much worse if you lie to me. Right? I hate lying and so he, he goes back to his house and this is like eating me up inside and I'm like I cannot believe I did this and then I'm embarrassed and I'm like this guy's not a Christian. What kind of example am I being to him? But I couldn't take it. Like his I felt the discipline of the Lord, right? And so like 15 minutes later, I go over to his house and I knock on the door. He's like, hey man, what's up? And I'm like, listen. We were just talking, you asked me a question, and I don't know why, but I lied to you. And, uh, and he was like, like, he couldn't have cared less, it was kind of funny, like it, it was like no big deal of a thing, but I was like, I, I am so sorry for that, that I did that, and I just, I felt like I had to confess to you, and apologize to you. And, um, and you know, so, I, so it was a hard thing, and I thought, I'm, surely I'm pushing him away from Jesus. Right? Because I'm a pastor and I just lied to him and he knows I'm a pastor. And so, you know, he shuts the door. I go back home and I I see him out later that day and he comes up to me. He goes, You know, I think that was really cool that you owned up to that, that you were honest with that. That really made an impression on me. And I thought, I can't believe it. You know, like how embarrassing to me, how humbling to me, what a rotten thing that I had to go through because of my own rotten choices, experience discipline of the Lord, and God brings about good through it. Where he goes, there's something different about you. This guy, there's something different about you. I think it's really cool that you owned up to what you did. That's what God does. Part of his love, there's this redeeming quality to his love. Even the rotten things, even the painful things, even the hard things, God can bring about good in our lives. How about this next one? This is uh, his delightful, calming, rejoicing love. I love this. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. This is Zephaniah 317. It says, the Lord your God is with you. He's mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He'll quiet you with his love. He'll rejoice over you with singing. Man, that's a beautiful thought, isn't it? Like, God delights in you. Like, he rejoices over you. He sees, like, you, your personality, the things that you love, the person that you are, he delights in. I think about my kids and, like, you know, when I come home from work or, or uh, when they co- if they come home from school and I happen to be there and I first see them, I'm like, I, I get so delighted, you know? Like, I just, I love them, and I, and I want to, like, have fun. I wanna, they'll tell you, the first thing I do is I give them a hug. I'm just so happy to see them, right? I'm rejoicing over them. And I think, man, not, by the way, not because they're perfect, because <laughs> they're not perfect, but because I absolutely love them, right? You think that's how God sees you. You're not perfect, like, they're not perfect. But, man, he delights over you. He rejoices over you. How about about the part in the middle there? It says, he will quiet you with his love. His love has this calming effect in our lives. He he quiets us. He calms us, us. His love can bring us peace and contentment, even when life is chaotic. Anybody ever have a chaotic life? Yes, me too. His love calms us. He delights in us. He rejoices over us. How about this one? A few more here. Need-filling love. This is in Psalm 107. It says, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and wonderful deeds for men. For, this is what he does. He satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. He meets our needs, right? What is thirst? It's a need that we all have. What is hunger? It's a need that we all have. What's the promise here? He meets our needs. Why? Why? Because he loves us, right? Sometimes we, we go, man, I don't know. I'm, I'm stressed out. I'm worried because you know, my paycheck is running out before the month runs out. And I'm thinking, how am I going to pay my rent this month? How am I going to pay my gas bill this month? How am I going to put food on the table, right? That can, that can stress us out. Those are, those are needs that we have. What do we do? Like, what does this tell us to do? What does his love do for us? It causes us to trust him. Right? We still got to work, we still got to like do our part, have our responsibility, but we trust that he's going to provide for our needs. That's what a loving father does for us. He takes care of us, right? We don't have to worry about those things. One, one of the cool passages um, that Jesus says it's in uh, uh, Matthew chapter five. So he's talking about like, you don't need to worry, you know, like don't worry about stuff. God's going to take care of you. And Jesus says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Like seek him first, love him first, trust him first. and He's going to take care of the needs. We don't have to sweat it. Three more. Transformational love. We talked a little bit about this last week. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. Again, we talked about this a little bit last week when we lean into our relationship with Jesus, what happens? What, is he, like, what happens inside of us? What does one of the things that his love does for us, what is it? He changes us. He, he transforms us. You know, We live in a culture where um, people want to better themselves. I want to better myself. I want to make myself better. And so we go to school or we go on a diet or we work out or whatever it is, you know, and we want to better ourselves. The, the, fun, the ultimate way, that we become better is what God does inside of us. Like when I understand his love and I allow him to do what he wants to do inside of me, he changes me. He, makes, he transforms me. He makes me better. That's part of what his love does for us. There's this transforming effect. How about this? A compelling love. This is again in 2 Corinthians 5. It says, for Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. His love compels us. You know what that word means? It means it moves us to action. It leads us to where he wants us to go. And so it, it, if you look at the, that word compel in the original language in the Greek, it has this imagery of a strait uh, like with, a, with a body of water, a strait that forces a ship into like a narrow channel. It has this imagery of a cattle squeeze, right? Like how do you, if you got a, if you got a cow that's uh, sick, needs some medication or has got an infection in its hoof, how do you like get the cow to stand still where you want it to stand still? You put it in a cattle squeeze and so it walks forward and it gets narrower and narrower and narrower until it's stuck right where you want it to be, right? That's what Christ's love does for us. That's what that word compel means. It leads us to where he wants us to be. And sometimes that's not where we want to be, right? Like, we can be honest about that. Sometimes God's love, where God desires us to be, is not what we would choose ourselves. But I promise you this, it's the better place for us to be. Maybe this morning you sit here and you're like, I got some big decisions to make and I don't know what to do. I I don't know whether to go this way or to go this way. Allow Christ's love to compel you. Ask God to have his, his love for you lead you to where he wants you to go instead of where we want to go. Christ's love leads us, it compels us to where he wants us to be. One more, last one. Maybe this is a fitting way to, to, to kind of end this. He has this better than life, better than life love for us. I think the psalmist sums it up so well. This is Psalm 63. It says, because your love is better than life, My lips will glorify you. Better than life. Better than anything else that we could experience in this life. There's so many things that compete for our attention, for our focus, right? Christ's love is better than all of them. It's better than life. Go go to that next slide. Put them all up there. I know this is going to be small. You won't be able to see all these. You have the, the sheet of paper there. But just like, just look at the complexity of his love for you. I think we just don't do this enough. If you're like me, it's like, I don't know, we talk to God, or maybe we think like, yes, he loves me, God loves me, I know that. And then we move on and we think, okay, now i got to do this, and i got to do this, and i got to... Like, just to slow down and bask in his love for you. Like, he loves us in so many complex ways. His love is expressed to us. in a a variety of ways, and there's so much depth there, and there's so much freedom. And the more and more that we understand Christ's love, the more and more we want to spend time with Christ. And what happens then? We grow as his disciples, right? Here's my challenge to you. Here's how I want to end. So you got a little sheet of paper there, right? here's here's what i would love for you to do so the weather's getting a little bit better out right i know it's rainy right now i know it's going to be cold the next two days but then it's going to warm up again here's my challenge to you take that little piece of paper take a bible put that little piece of paper in the bible and then go somewhere go to a park i like going to silver creek go to a park and pull that out and read these verses again that are on that sheet of paper you got your Bible there if maybe you want to read a little bit more in context and what's around those verses. Read about the different types, the, the, compl- the nuance of God's love for you. And then do this. Go out, take a walk, and talk to him about it. Let him in. This morning, if, if all that results from this time is taking 20 minutes and thinking about Christ's love, it's a failure if we don't actually talk to him about it, wrestle with him, wrestle with him in it, be honest with him, right? I'll bet you there's for, I don't know, all of us, most of us, there's parts of his love that was on that, that list, that's on your sheet of paper that we go, I don't know, I've never experienced that. Or I don't think I understand that part of God's love for me. I don't know that I have felt it expressed to me that way. Tell him about it. Talk to him. Let him in. This is what helps us grow more and more as disciples. So here, I'm going to invite the band. Why don't you guys come on up? Here's, here's how we're going to end our time. We wanted to give you a little bit extra time. So we have two songs here that both of them are very much about the, the ways in which God loves us. Right? They're, they're both about that lyrically. And so here's what I'd love for us to do. To just take this time... And talk to God about his love for you. Ask God to help you grow more and more in your understanding of his love for you. If there's areas where you're like, I I haven't felt this, tell him that, right? If, If maybe you feel unloved by him in some way, tell him that. If you're feeling the weight, the baggage of your sin, reflect on that, be honest with him about that and allow his spirit to work on your heart during this time. Okay?